This is Must Go Faster, a pop culture podcast for the people. I'm your co-host, Ben Brantlinger, broadcasting from Brooklyn. And out in Long Beach, California, I'm Robert Denfeld. So in this episode, we're going to hit on some new albums from uh, Rostam and the rapper Action Bronson. We're also going to talk about two new HBO shows, uh, The Deuce and Room 104, and then also the trailer for The Disaster Artist, which uh, we're going to be very excited (laughs) to talk about. (laughs) Lisa! Um, so, but oh, first, hi, right, we could go on and on about, uh, yeah. Tommy was so cool, so stuff. Let's, yeah. let's move on. Um, first though, we wanted to talk about two movies that came out this month that I think we're both equally jacked up to review. Yeah. And that is It and Mother. Yes. So let's do just that. Start with It. Uh, and here we go. Start it up. I saw something. There was this... So this, um, I think everyone's kind of familiar with this movie. It was a smash at the box office. It's been out for a few weeks now. Yeah. But um, if you're not, it was adapted, of course, from the 1300-page <laughs> Stephen novel, the or brick. Stephen, Stephen yeah. King novel, uh-huh. novel uh, directed by Andy Muschietti. I think uh-huh. I got that pronunciation correct. Yes. And it basically takes place in this fictional town of Derry, Maine, and follows a group of kids called the Losers, mm-hmm. and they band together with a against a shape-shifting demon known as Pennywise. Yes, self-proclaimed losers. That's what they call their group. Right, okay, yeah, I could call. Um, So this this demon known as Pennywise takes the form of a clown usually and begins Uh hunting them, and kind of the story goes from there. It stars uh, Bill Skarsgård as Pennywise. Um, Yes. Finn Wolfhard, (laughs) amazing name. Yeah. Finn Wolf- Wolfhard. That's just I, I I want to see the birth certificate there. Yeah, we mentioned him that. last episode, but it's it's Mikey from Stranger Things, but yeah, classic name. Right. Um and yeah, a bunch of other I guess lesser known child actors who are all really strong. Um but I saw this opening weekend. I think you saw it fairly qu- a few days after that. Uh-huh. And um yeah, I'm really excited to talk about it. It's one that we've been looking forward to ever since that trailer dropped like back in March. There's been so much buzz and hype. Right. And after finally seeing it, I got to say I think it did live up to the hype um for the okay. most part. Uh, yeah. Rob, what were your what were kind of your uh main takes on this? Sure. So, um obviously it did really well at the box office it made 123 million opening weekend and then 60 million the second weekend i believe it's still the number one movie in the country we'll see how it does this weekend um i i have to say i i enjoyed Uh, it Uh, what tremble a tremble (laughs) (laughs) yeah no i enjoyed the movie um i thought it was really well made and you know a lot of production value a lot of um, a lot of comedy, a lot of heart uh, between the the children, like the loser group. There were the way they spoke to each other was really funny at times. Uh, a lot you know, of cursing. A lot of cussing. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna yeah. say that. Um, I really dug that. <laughs> yeah, so did I. I mean, it was a little bit over the top for me. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, coming from somebody that you know Enjoys cusses. A good curse. <laughs> yeah, I I cuss as much as anybody else. Um, but I thought it was a little bit heavy-handed at times like it felt uh-huh. a little bit unnatural like some of the things the kids were saying to each other yeah, a little but, forced yeah i mean maybe that jokes, yeah. yeah that did like if you put a recorder on me when i was 14 that's probably about how i sounded but yeah. uh it just maybe threw me a little bit to see that in the movie theater but i mean that's that's just one sort of minor criticism i had kind of took me out of the movie at times but um the one thing I thought sort of leaving the theater was it wasn't that scary. Mm. Um, so, there, yeah. Like, I only had a couple jump moments, and I wasn't really, like, you know, freaked out when I was walking out of the theater or anything like that. I mean, do you agree with that, or were you more scared? Yeah, I feel like that's been kind of the general consensus about this movie, which has been well-received both critically and from, you know, audiences alike. Yeah. But it does seem like most people are saying, like, you know, I'd be lying if I said i i wished it you know or it was just as scary as i would hope it seems yeah. like it was like a little bit lacking i will say that there it definitely had its moments sure um you know the opening sequence in the sewer yeah uh, that, that was very scary. That, i mean yeah and just yeah, right right totally and i mean i think scar performance as pennywise was really top notch 
And I would have liked to see a little more of it. I know. Well, in the in like the first 30, 45 minutes, I was kind of like, you know, they intro Pennywise in the beginning, but then kind of go away from him. And I'm like, I want more of right. that. It was like this yeah. intoxicate. I was like, you know, give me more fear, you know, yeah. and stuff like that. Um, but I think the sequence where he's, they're in like his headquarters, like that house, and he's like comes out Towards of that the end. box. Or oh, actually oh, in like the yeah, middle. yeah. The and first he's like, time they go into the house, okay. And he's like falling like towards the boy who's like yeah. backing away, and just like kind of <laughs> the way he's like just moving his body, I just found to be very unsettling. For I sure. thought the final sequence in like his lair and the sewers with like the kids floating, and it's yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I thought it was a really strong like final sequence. It almost reminded me of like a Carcosa, True Detective, Ooh, um, yeah, vibe true. in like the end of, of season one. There, I think I got it a had lot of. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Finish your thought. Well, I think, yeah, like it had, um, I don't know, like to me, it was kind of like a pretty well-rounded movie. Like, yeah. it's interesting that you like first set like, you know, this is a horror movie first and foremost, but you kind of were like, it's got a lot of comedy and heart and like, that's true. Right. And it is like, it reminded me of kind of like Stand By Me, which is a, a Stephen mm-hmm. King novel, you know, mm-hmm. that was adapted into a movie, which is a mm-hmm. great 80s classic. Kind of like Stand By Me, but with like very periodic horror like it's it's sure. not you know it, it, it never fools anything like oh is this not a horror movie like it's strung throughout it's consistent right. but it's not um it definitely balances it out with the characters and it does. the comedy and the heart um it and was I very think, uh it was very quickly paced like things it, yeah it, really it, good fast pace. you know it, was, it wasn't like scary per se like jump scary but it was very intense and fast paced and it never let you really settle into the comedy elements like I think that's why the comedy elements really popped because you were so sort of tense and on edge the whole time that the little light moments really you sort of like burst burst out into laughter because it was just like (laughs) an emotion came out you know yeah Um, that's a good um you know an effect any a good horror movie has like you know those spouts of humor and yeah when people are like laughing in the theater during a horror that means they're like collectively like oh i'm <laughs> yeah, scared like, right now like let's laugh but, uh-huh, yeah I gotta be, you like, know, uh, it's okay the it's okay to laugh yeah. yeah yeah um but so it's interesting you you mentioned uh it reminded you of um what was it was the stand show by me? or stand by me sorry yeah. um and i was thinking it's interesting that i was thinking it was uh it really reminded me of Stranger Things, which is funny, and uh, Super Eight, um, mm. oh, and yeah, a few yeah. other a few other movies that have come out in the past decade or so. Uh, just sort of elements from those, and it's interesting because it was written, I believe, what in the in the eighties, in the late eighties. Um, I'm, yeah, I'm not even I, sure. I think that's right. Yeah, like in the yeah early eighties, maybe. Or yeah, some. I believe it's in the eighties. I don't know. Well, yeah. Either way, it came out before. You know, the novel has been out for a long time. the The original it series that was televised uh, was in 1990. So mm-hmm. the this thing, this story, and this subject matter you know, came before all of these things that I say it reminds me of. So like those things are really taking elements from the it novel and Mm -hmm. including them. So it's, it's funny, like what influenced what, you know, it's the it story came before those things. But when I'm watching the, it the it movie now, it, it reminds me of these things that came after the story. (laughs) So it's just kind of funny, like uh, what influenced what, but, um, so one, things, yeah. yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, yeah, one thing, um, and overall, yeah, really, really enjoyed this movie, but when we were kind of talking about um, some of the scares maybe not being as frightful as we would have hoped based off the trailers and whatnot, mm-hmm. um, I think, yeah, like the CGI use of Pennywise at times felt a little unneeded. Mm-hmm. Like, for example, in the opening scene in the sewer, right. I mean, Skarsgård plays that brilliantly leading yeah. up to the arm being bitten off and and things like that i mean just like he doesn't blink in that scene i read and Uh just the way he's like looking up the lighting his uh, eyes are creepy yeah the way he's like introduces himself and tries to like seduce the child and thinking things are okay and like gets him to come closer um but you know when it comes time to bite you know uh little georgie's arm off it like (laughs) it almost you know, that is very CGI. It almost looked like a shark biting into an arm. You know, yeah. it was like his jaw like unhinges. Yeah, but like the I way it, done without that. The way it um, bites into the arm uh-huh. <laughs> to get graphic is it, just kind of <laughs> like, it just, it was like very CG. And, you know, I think, you know, practical effects, like when he's, 
moving in a practical way and doing like I think that's when the the you know the scares are most effective. Yeah. Um, well, and one thing I listened to, I've listened to a few interviews with uh, Andy Muschietti, the director. Yeah, most notably the the one with Sean Fennessy from The Ringer on uh, his oh, yeah. the Big Picture podcast. Um, basically, Muschietti said that so, one element of Pennywise, the character from the novel, is that he he can't really uh, outwardly express human emotion. Like he doesn't understand human emotion really. So things sort of like come out of him sporadically, and he's trying to quote-unquote fit in with like these kids and humanity itself and uh so i thought uh bill skarsgård get a did a really good job of sort of expressing that and portraying that that element of like switching back and forth between emotions and not really showing the proper emotion for the moment if mm-hmm. that makes sense right. um I, I thought his performance was really good like i said earlier i, I would have liked to see maybe a few more scenes of him delivering dialogue yeah Uh, there just wasn't that much of it but that was probably my favorite element of the movie itself yeah and i actually um i read on on imdb uh the imdb trivia section which is one of my Mm -hmm. favorite (laughs) after seeing a movie (laughs) reading the tidbits good nuggets um, yeah so skarsgård he was during filming was purposely kept like separated from the kids during production and he only interacted with them while they were shooting and it was kind of meant to maximize uh, you know the the fear that the kids had of him, and the yeah. first scene they shot with Pennywise and the kids, they literally like all started crying, and he had to ensure them <laughs> afterwards that it was like all pretend, which is like like I'm a good guy, yeah. right? And it's like it makes sense, like these are like young kids, and yeah, sure. they're on a movie set and there's cameras around, but I mean, if you have that yeah. guy right up in your face in the full makeup and costume and right. playing it and in such a creepy way, I mean, like I'd cry too. Um, yeah, I saw I saw an interview with Bill Skarsgård. I think it was on Jimmy Kimmel. Uh, just I watched it after I watched the movie, but he was saying the same thing. Sort of, he was like worried, uh, you know, doing these this crazy performance, you know, right in a twelve year old's face. And he said one scene with one of the main characters. He had it was like the first day on set, and he really went for it on this the first take or whatever. And he he was worried after the director yelled cut. He was like, "Oh man, I hope I didn't like disturb this kid, or you know, I hope I don't like ruin this, kid, this these kids' lives or whatever." Um, and the kid just looked at him and he was like, "I really like what you're doing with the character." Right. <laughs> like, I, I saw that too. He's like, "Great, I love great work, love yeah. it, love it." And it's yeah. like, "Oh, all right, man." That's they, funny. Yeah, so. I guess they can um, handle it. Yeah. So professional I, child actors. Yeah, I also uh, saw on IMDb. I always like seeing like the rumors of who was gonna play some kind of major character. And oh yeah, I have a few names I wanted to throw out there. I guess these were sure. just rumors. I don't know how serious they were, but uh, to play Pennywise, Johnny Depp. Uh, Tilda Sw- Tilda Swinton. Oh, that would have been interesting. <laughs> really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jim Carrey. Ooh. Which I I mean, I mean, I, I love know, Jim Carrey, but yeah, right, he's right, had right. a he's had a rough couple of years. <laughs> Paul Giamatti, which <laughs> oh, I think is an interesting. interesting choice. And then Channing Tatum. Oh, as well. That, um, yeah. I mean, that would have been kind of odd. He's I, too I like chiseled. that it was I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's too beautiful. <laughs> he's too recognizable. But yeah, it wouldn't have worked for me. Yeah, Bill yeah. Skarsgård was really great. I I I mean, he's He's a new face, which helps, and his face yeah. is kind of like cartoony in a yeah, way. Totally, it, it has totally. those elements, the the cheekbones, like you mentioned last week. Um, one thing I wanted to read a qu- another quote from that that interview with Andy Muschietti, the director. Um, he just said he was just talking about sort of what the story itself is and what you know the the main takeaway from the novel is and what he was mm-hmm. going for, and he said. Uh, that's what the it story is. It is sort of a parable for the death of childhood and the death of a world of imagination and magic <clears throat> that you will never experience again in life. So that's that's really what I took away. Like these kids are the whole theme of the story is that they're like scared of adulthood and and the adults in the movie sort of portray that right. they and in the books apparently or in the book uh the the parents are sort of like these these horrible people or like adulthood itself is the enemy you know and and there's a there's an element of maybe only the kids can see this manifestation of uh pennywise as this clown uh there's an element of that in there um yeah what do you think about that 
as the theme. Totally, totally. I mean, it makes sense. Very like metaphorical. And I think right. that's true. I mean, in the movie, after the book, it, it really reinforces that when it's uh-huh. you know, freaking 1300 pages. And stuff. <laughs> yeah. like, I think it's pretty obvious. But uh, yeah, yeah, no, that's true. And like, yeah, there is an absence of like adult figures in the movie or right. at least an absence of them like helping. the. Kids yeah, it's all from the children's all, perspective. They're kind of villains in a way. Yeah. yeah. And they're not like it's just kind of the, the loser club. They're on their own uh-huh. to figure this out. And yeah, uh-huh. it, it is really about like kind of like the loss of innocence and like childhood. And there's a lot of metaphors there. The mother character uh, of the guy who has like all the anxieties and takes the placebo pills or <laughs> the, yeah. the gazebo pills. Right. <laughs> that, that was pretty funny. I like uh, the um, yeah. That mom was a good good like uh, example of the the horror uh, right. that adults are. One of my most humorous tidbits from the movie was when. Uh, uh-huh. Yeah, that same cat. I forget his name, but when he has the cast, then he changes like loser to like lover, like the lover. V. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <the> v. yeah. <laughs> that was good. That was like yeah. a very because yeah, they're all like entering that kind of awkward stage of like yeah. you know puberty and like getting into right, women and right. stuff. And that's you know with the uh, the main character. What's the name? The main female character's name? Um, oh yeah, I wanted to mention Beverly. Her. Beverly. Um, yeah. Beverly. Yeah. yeah, Sophia Lillis. I thought yeah, yeah. she had a really great performance. She she sold it and i was really drawn by her character Mm -hmm. um and there well i wanted to mention just a scene from the book where apparently they all like have sex with her in the book at the orgy Uh, scene yeah yeah it's like an orgy scene and it was sort of hinted at in the movie where uh, at the end they sort of like kiss her or whatever um, and but, they do the blood brother. I think what replaced it was yeah, like the scene where they're the cutting blood their hands and that, yeah. that which is like, that makes yeah, sense. I thought it was a, a good like replacement. And I mean, look, like they couldn't have done that. I mean, it would have been NC-17 yeah. and only opened no, in a no. few theaters. And I'm not trying to say. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not either. <laughs> but I think the, the idea behind it is that they would uh, escape childhood or like enter adulthood and they wouldn't be terrified by pennywise any longer if they were adults because the mm. their their theory is that only children can see him or whatever so yeah i'm <laughs> that would have been interesting but i'm glad they didn't go that direction yeah. uh but apparently stephen king liked uh the film and yeah, yeah. he gave he gave some good feedback to muschietti and he said uh don't worry about the things you've changed they're approved so i mean obviously you have to take some liberties in film it's a different medium but uh yeah, I mean, Stephen King was happy with the adaptation. Yeah, I also saw, you mentioned Stranger Things earlier, that uh-huh. um, the Duffer brothers were actually originally wanted to direct. I don't know how far along oh, they got in that process. Interesting. But before, um, you know, this movie was in, like, kind of development hell for, like, seven years. Like, it was just, right. like, really, there was different people working on the script <clears throat> and people dropping out. And then, you know, it finally found the right director and they were able to get it made. But yeah. it would have been interesting. You know, man, talk about, like, a one-two punch if, like, the Duffer Brothers put this out and then with Stranger Things coming out next month, it's like, yeah. they'd be so so hot right now. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, you mentioned uh, when we were emailing about what we are going to talk about with this movie, like, uh-huh. why this movie, you know, why did it make so much money? Yeah. Um, and I think it's, like, really boils down to, like, a couple, you know, key factors for me. I mean, I think... I mean, the marketing was extremely strong, um, whether it was the trailers, some of the viral marketing they were doing with, like, the balloons being placed in different ways. Like, <laughs> yeah. there was a lot of just, like, buzz about, like, what clowns thought about this. And just, like, a lot of... It's, like, a big, like... It is just a big kind of piece of pop culture the last 25 years. I mean, Stephen yeah. King is, like, the most prolific, popular, successful, like, American writer of the last, like, 50 years, probably. And this is, like, his tenpole book... Um, people remember the 1990s miniseries, so mm-hmm. there's nostalgia for that and something that's been like of our generation, we remember like being kind of terrified of that and Tim Curry's take on Pennywise. Yeah. And I think it's also just like different enough, like, yes, this is like a remake in a way, or, you know, it's based off a novel, but you know, there aren't, um, it's felt fresh in certain ways. Like it wasn't mm-hmm. a retread of like something else or felt like just another horror movie. I think right. the clown element is big, but also, um, you know, the focus on character, the 80s, um, mm. having, you know, this group of kind of likable kids is the core. And um, yeah, it got really good, you know, on Ryan Tomatoes, I think it was like an 86 or 87. And yeah, which is solid for an where, R-rated scary movie. Oh yeah, yeah, super solid. Yeah. So um, I don't know, that, yeah. that that's kind of, those were my thoughts on like why. And, and in September, there's not a lot of competition. I was going to say that it yeah, the marketing really worked, and and the hype machine was brilliant for the movie. Ben, I think it's just the American public likes to. 
there's always the movie at late summer that the you know American public gets behind and for whatever reason it's like it is the movie that everybody has to see and everybody's talking about um, and and like I said earlier the the story is so prevalent and even uh, you know sort of subconsciously prevalent in a lot of work that has come out over the past two decades like so this is the original content so yeah even though maybe like kids nowadays anybody under I don't know, 25, you know, doesn't really know Tim Curry as the clown, like probably didn't watch that as a kid, but it is the, this title itself is, is, uh, something that they've heard of and everybody's heard of Stephen King. So it's just like a, a mass appeal movie and a lot of elements like, Oh, I got to go see it. You know? Mm-hmm. And the other question I wanted to ask you about it besides why it made so much money. Uh, so it, the, the figure manifest itself usually as Pennywise, but in the movie we see it manifest itself as like a zombie, um, some sort of like other scary man creature. Headless. Yeah, yeah, the headless guy. There's a uh, werewolf the, in the book I've heard. You know, oh, it takes yeah. a lot of forms. More There's forms like the, book, yeah. the the one the one kid is scared of like uh, a fire and people trying to escape a fire, so we see that. So what would your it manifestation be like what (laughs) what scares you the most (laughs) well what scares me my number one fear has kind of always been snakes okay um which is you (laughs) know pretty probably pretty common yeah Yeah. i mean i don't even like watching the indiana jones scene like seriously i have to turn that (laughs) off or skip why do it have to be snakes um (laughs) i was actually camping last weekend with some friends Uh and we set up our campground and I go to like use the bathroom like one of the corners, you know, we're outdoors. I don't need to use a, an actual bathroom. And I, I notice uh-huh. something like ruffling in kind of near me. And like in the back oh, of my boy. head, I'm like, oh, yeah, it'd be, it'd be really <laughs> crappy if that was a snake. And yeah. then like I, I go to the bathroom, I go back to our campsite. And then my one of my friends who I was with, uh, Jeff, shout out to Jeff. He was yeah. um, he's like, oh, here's a snake. And it was like oh, right man. when we arrived and it was like it was a <laughs> tiny one. I didn't look, but it went into like the tree. And it was like right when we got there. And I was like, God. Oh man, Dude, like you know, un- unsettling. I, I know yeah. there are snakes in the premise, and and I mean, <laughs> after a few drinks, I I didn't care, but I was like, right. I'm not trying to. That's why I live in New York because there's like there's literally yeah. like no snakes around here. Yeah. That uh, usually helps, but uh, the, yeah, drinking helps out in the woods to just forget right. about your fears. <laughs> right. What What about you? Yeah. So mine, I would have to say, would be sort of like the un unnamed, faceless, uh, like strong man like a just like a a guy with a buzz cut or like with a strong build that is just sort of like walking toward you without yeah you're like unaware of their intent sort of uh you know i'm sort of thinking of like jack torrance at the end of shining like walking through the maze Mm -hmm. just like this like a psychopath man is what scares me the most you know like you know the most the most dangerous game ben uh yeah, 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 yeah. man man himself uh but yeah things like michael myers or leatherface from texas chainsaw like just that big guy like coming at you either Early with a weapon man. or without yeah and you're you're running away from them and and they seemingly are walking but catching up to you that that's probably what would scare me the most in this in this case. So what would you say is your, your final film rating for it? I know we like to do a 1 out of 10 scale. You can use decimal points. Sure. You, uh, um, well, I would probably give it like a 7.8. Mm, Got you. I'm at a little bit lower than the critical consensus, but yeah, yeah. still pretty pretty nice. Nice, nice. Yeah, I w- I have it at an eight point four. I think it was in the eights for okay. me, and I thought it was a yeah, really good like movie theater experience. Very yeah. well rounded, well executed, and um, yeah, it, it was cool to see you know this do really well at the box office and yeah have them. You know, I know this summer after a very weak summer yeah yeah i mean there were a lot of great movies that came out but apparently audience that wasn't enough to get audience well that's seats, what i know. meant yeah. Like, yeah there so. are a lot of good movies but right, right. the uh box office was at like record lower record lows so totally. it was nice to see a movie finally break out so let's transition to the other movie we want to uh review and that is darinovsky's mother 
<laughs> Darrenovsky's nice. I like that. Did I what I say? Uh, Darren Aaron. Oh, I you said Darrenovsky, but that was yeah, that was a Freudian slip because I wanted to mention that little nickname he has. Uh, Jennifer Lawrence apparently calls him Darrenovsky. <laughs> yeah, they're now. dating. His name is Darren Aronofsky, so the the error sign happens twice in a row, so it works well. So we saw this, I believe, on the same night, and afterwards, yeah. I just I simply texted you, well. <laughs> <laughs> and you just texted me back with an, an expletive that <laughs> yeah. I won't repeat here. Begins and we with F. really haven't we haven't talked about we haven't talked about this movie since just that change of well and yeah. F word. Um so yeah, let's let's just get into mother. We're not gonna really we know a lot of people really haven't seen this yet, yeah. but it is being talked about a lot for good reason. We're not gonna yeah. really give any hard spoilers. We may do some like light plot development spoiler things, but um right. Feel free to listen, you know, uh, if you don't want to be spoiled at all, feel free to skip forward. But um, we're going to try to keep this more of a general discussion about the movie. Yeah, this will we'll put the exact time markers in the description if you want to skip ahead. But um, just speaking generally, it, it's really hard to see this movie and not discuss it further. Like, this is definitely a movie you leave and you need to oh, you're read about. you're in of just talking about, like, yeah, oh, it was, yeah. Yeah. was all with. Um, yeah, it's, it's one that provokes discussion. There's no way people right. just walked out of the theater, even if they hated it, loved <laughs> yeah. it anywhere in between. We're just like, yeah, all right. It's like, you know, oh, like, it, so yeah, what are we going to eat? You know, like, right. Yeah. <laughs> You're having at least a 25 minute freak out over yeah. this movie for better or for worse. Well, so yeah, let's, why let's don't get I into s- it. Yeah. I'll set this up a little bit further. Um, so like I mentioned, Darren Aronofsky is the director uh, most known for probably Requiem for a Dream, Black Swan, The Wrestler. Um, his last movie was 2014's Noah, which was another, uh, you know, obviously based on Noah's Ark story from the Bible. Um, a little bit of a, a letdown critically. Um, it didn't make a ton of money, and it was this huge, big budget production. Um, so he took a few years off and, you know, wrote this story. Apparently, he wrote this movie, Mother, in this, he described as sort of a fever dream. Yeah, um, in like five in, days, he, he said, right? Yeah, he wrote the first draft in five days. He just woke up one day and Spilled out and he it. was like, how does, uh, you know, he, he wanted, he, he just had this dream and he woke up and he was like, thinking from Mother Earth's perspective and, and saying like, what is it, what must it feel like to be Mother Earth and have all of these things happening to, to me or to it. Uh, and, and just, he wanted to write a story from the earth's perspective. And that is, that is what I interpret and what he, the director has said. Yeah. It's mother is mother earth. That's not obvious when you see the, the food. I mean, the setup of the story is like, you know, there's this couple played by Jennifer Lawrence and Javier Bardem. He's a poet. She's there. They moved into this home. She's trying to make it like beautiful. It's out in the middle of nowhere. It's this like mm-hmm. four story grand, you know, just home. And their relationship is basically tested when these uninvited guests start arriving at the house mm-hmm. and things mm-hmm. just um, escalate spiral. From there. Um, yeah. Spiral, <laughs> yeah. Escalate. Um, so, yeah, like it doesn't it, it, that is like um, the metaphor you mentioned. I, I didn't know that until after I saw the movie, but. Um, it, it makes a ton of sense and made yeah. me appreciate it even more. Um, and you know, there's, um, just to get under the divisiveness of the, of this movie, you know, it's about like at a, like a 68, 70% around tomatoes, but like there are prominent film critics that are saying like for one quote, Anthony Lane from the New Yorker said, if you gave an extremely bright 15 year old, a bag of unfamiliar herbs to smoke and $40 million or so to play with mother would be the result. Um, and I disagree, but okay. (laughs) And Rex Reed from New York observer said, I hesitate to label it the worst movie of the year when worst movie of the century fits even better. Wow. So there are people that dislike this and I can understand it, but I, the more, look, I thought about this movie probably more than any other since I've seen it, like kind of that that time frame, and like, especially like when I was trying to fall asleep that night, like it just mm-hmm. sticks with you. It does. And yeah. It's a, um, it's, it's kind of a sign of a, of a good to great movie when you right. have, when it has that kind of effect, even if it's right. like very unsettling and not necessarily fun to watch or things that are pleasant, yeah. but right. Does everything have to be pleasing? And like, <laughs> you know, I mean, we're in, 
we're in some dark crazy times, times right? right? Yeah, yeah, you know, that's I why. Mean, yeah, 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 yeah. Just with everything happening weather-wise, I mean, just the the state of the world, and you know, this country. Uh, <laughs> yeah, this country, and you know, North Korea, and you know, things that just keep happening over and over, and this sense of anxiety, you know, and angst that I I feel, and I I feel like is not an uncommon way of being right now. Uh, like why why is it so ridiculous to have a movie that is disturbing and uh i mean maybe maybe they could speak better to why they hated it than i can sort of guess but i i agree with you that it it made me think more than any movie i've seen this year and i'm still thinking about it i'm still reading about it i'm yeah. i'm having discussions with people that have seen it you know it's like that is the sign of a movie that is worth watching totally. is something that makes you makes you talk, makes you think, uh, really impacts you emotionally and disturbs you and, you know, leaves you with an element of, uh, you know, a, a sense of wonder. Uh, and I mean, I think that's what film is all about. Yeah. Uh, Aronofsky has been quoted as saying, he said, the worst thing you can make would be a disposable meal. You throw away the wrapper and forget what you had. And he was like, I've always, his whole passion has always been, making films that leave people thinking, you know, like from Pi, his directorial debut, like that's a, that's an intense debut. You know, it's <laughs> yeah, a very, yeah. sets the tone very for his deep, career. yeah, movie about a mathematician. And then Requiem for a Dream was his next film about drug use and addiction. And I mean, he, he doesn't shy away from heavy subject matter. And I'm glad that there is a great director that doesn't shy away from dark topics mm -hmm. and yeah no yeah. no yeah those are all yeah really good points and um you know as far as like it's not just the i mean i saw there's this site called cinema score which is like <laughs> yeah the rotten tomatoes for audiences and it gave it like an f and there's only right. been like 20 movies yeah it's like i mean i think a lot of that <laughs> yeah. i think like you know jennifer lawrence is an a-list actress you could argue she's the most like popular actress in america right now i'm sure there was some like just diehard j-law fans that wanted to see her latest flick without knowing what they were getting themselves into right um and uh yeah like this movie it's very challenging it's not for someone who takes movie like lightly you know it's not like oh it's like a popcorn like entertainment yeah. it's, it's a yeah i'm just gonna consume this and then go on with my yeah. day yeah and like what you said that quote about aronofsky like I don't want to make any disposable meal movies. Like that's right. what 90% of all movies are. Yeah. Ultimate, you know, yeah. and we don't really talk about those, but you know, that's, that is like, and I really respect him for going, you know, in any art form, uh, right. Having that mindset and something that lingers, something that's memorable. Totally. Yeah. It's like, why even do it? Like making a movie is just this insane task, like daunting, <laughs> you know, like, it's just like, if you're going to go for it and do the end to end process of making go a movie, for it, you got to make something that, yeah. that really is like screen, you know, how do you like half ass like a, you know, it, right. So yeah, I and totally, like, um, isn't that. art, isn't that the purpose of art to challenge humanity, <laughs> like to, right. to bring things to the surface and, you know, subconscious things and unconscious things that, that people like, feel and and are thinking below the surface like that's that's what art is and i i just i i sort of am not not personally offended by people that can't you know accept it as being different or or uh you know sort of dark uh i just i just like that sort of sort of movie and things that make me make me feel something but both, uh, uh, just we are both just disturbed individuals um <laughs> just that's a we should have put that as a precursor <laughs> yeah if you're not a disturbed individual you probably, um just stop listening no, right, um, yeah, yeah. yeah so i just wanted to get into a few elements of the movie yeah, like, yeah totally i i was curious um do you think you'll ever want to watch this movie <laughs> again and and why if uh, if yes i thought when walking or out no. i was like i'll never watch that again but yeah. Now I'm like, yeah, I'm going to get the Blu-ray when it comes out. <laughs> Definitely. So I, I felt the same way. I was like, I, uh, leaving the theater, I was like, man, I don't know if I ever need to watch that movie again. But as I've read about it and thought about it more, I'm like, I, I can't wait to watch it again. I, I don't think I'll see it 
<laughs> watch it I don't on think a plane, I'll see it. you know. Like, yeah, <laughs> no, that that'd be right. weird. I don't think I'll watch it in the theater again, but nah. I I will rent it or buy it when it comes out because I there's just a lot there to to unpack. Yeah, and, and once you know the, the performances and stuff too, like yeah. you just kind of are looking for clues, and it's a very allegorical movie. I mean, you mentioned yeah. the metaphor of the environment, but also like you know, Aronofsky, you know, has said I think that like you know, these characters that represent, like, Adam and Eve. And, yeah, it's a biblical you know, allegory. Yeah, and he's... The whole thing. Right, right. Um, there's also just some interesting, like, aesthetic choice. Like, I don't think there's, a, like, yeah. a score at all. Like, there's no music... I, I can't recall if there were any time there was, like, any kind of music or score in the background. Not a lot. Um, yeah. It was shot That's a good in, point. I didn't uh, think about that. Shot in 16 millimeter, which right. I, I'm always a fan of because it just has, like, that grainy quality that I really like that looks great yeah. on, like, a large screen. And he's shot a few other movies in that format before. Um, yeah, I think it's his fourth movie shot in 16 millimeter. Yeah, and it yeah. creates, like, this intimate feeling with the actors, especially, like, the close-ups of actors' faces and, yeah. and just being in that house constantly. It's, like, you see the dust and, like, the grain on on wood and people's faces and like you mentioned um and i the the element that really struck me the most was the sound design and Mm -hmm. the sound mixing uh was just incredible and i've heard that aronofsky really took his time in post-production and and just recording the sound uh the natural sound in the house uh while shooting I think it's Oscar worthy. I think this movie is going to win an Oscar for sound, uh, whether it's sound mixing or editing, I'm not sure. But mm-hmm. uh, that, like, you felt like you were in the house. And after I left the theater, it was this really, like, immersive, like, visceral experience in the theater. I, I purposefully bought pre purchased tickets in the dead center, like, center row, center seat uh, oh. with my girlfriend so that we could, we could just be, like, fully surrounded by the sound. Oh, yeah, and. Yeah. When I left the theater, I was like hearing all these like little like every footstep around me, and I was hearing like the the <laughs> audio coming out of sensory, other theaters. Uh, no, it <laughs> it totally did. Like for for almost like twenty minutes leaving the theater, I was like having this weird reaction, and I had to drive home. I was like, I don't I don't know I if I can over. drive right now. Like I'm I'm like shaken. Um, but yeah, the conversation you mentioned this earlier, just leaving the theater and and talking with the person you were with. Uh, it's just such an interesting, deep, uh, sort of engrossing conversation. Uh, it's exactly how I felt leaving Black Swan. Yeah. Uh, like you, the tension I needed is to similar. Sit down. And... Yeah, I needed to sit down and like unpack it and and sort of like deal with what I just watched uh, before I go on with my life. Yeah, you know? totally. Could you imagine being Jennifer Lawrence and reading this script though, and just being like? I'll do it. You know, like she is like tortured throughout. I mean, it is, yeah, it's a really, really great performance. Um, yeah. But her man, face is, is really the movie. It is like, it's just one of those things. It's like, man, like just a, go, reading that script and being like, given certain sequences that we won't spoil here, like just being like, <laughs> I mean, I, I commend her for, for taking those chances and risks and it's great right. for like an A, you know, whatever, an A-list actor who yeah. doesn't really need to do those financially still like wants to challenge themselves and sure. And, um, you know, I think I thought, that... Uh, oh, go ahead. I was going to say, like, the the film felt very nightmarish to me. And, yes. like, it was just, like, surreal. And, like, everything was, like, slightly off. And I think the yes. part that felt most like a nightmare to me was just, like, how people, you know, th- these uninvited guests that kind of, like, come more and more by the dozen, like, throughout the movie, especially in the third act where things just go bonkers. And it's just <laughs> yeah. absolutely... It's like 25 minutes yeah. of mayhem. Right, right. Um... But, like, you know, destroying the house, which is kind of, like, human beings, like, destroying Mother Earth and ignoring the warning signs where uh, Jennifer Lawrence, who basically is a stand-in for Mother Earth, is telling people, like, stop, what are you doing? And everyone just kind of, like, ignoring her. And that's just, like, I've had, like, dreams or nightmares where you're, like, in a dream and you're kind of, like, why are you doing this? Like, this doesn't make sense, but people can do stuff anyway. Yeah, like, that felt, like, very just true to a uh, nightmare. It was very disturbing and yeah, heavy in that way. Um, and, and another thing, another element of the the nightmare nature of the of the story is uh, I heard you know Kristen Wiig was in the movie. I don't yeah, know if yeah, that's yeah. maybe I shouldn't have spoiled that. Like she's yeah. in the cast or whatever. But um, the the cast just to cast her in that role, which she sort of pops up at the end or towards the the third act. And, and Aronofsky was asked, like, why put such a familiar comedic actress in that role? And he was like, well, it, it sort of added to, for me, the the nightmare nature of the story. Like, sometimes 
you in a nightmare like a random celebrity will just pop up and be like oh why is Kristen Wiig here and then she, <laughs> what she, what she does uh, I won't I won't spoil it but kind of adds to like man you wake up after a nightmare and you're like why the hell was Nicolas Cage like, <laughs> chasing me in a sports car you right. know it's like, like it doesn't make that, that sense, added to that but it makes yeah. sense in dream world you know somehow right or something. but um yeah <laughs> so uh Lastly, I just wanted to mention Michelle Pfeiffer and Javier Bardem were yeah. so their both their performances were too. like yeah, really really yeah, he was great too, but they were so haunting and uh I thought maybe possibly both of them will get a uh best supporting actor or actress nomination. Uh I think Jennifer Lawrence has a a strong case for best actress nomination mm-hmm. at the Oscars. Uh yeah, really, really great performances here. Yeah, it'll be really interesting to see how this film, like the film's legacy, five, ten, fifteen years from now, holds up. I mean, I think this is yeah. one people, for better or for worse, will be talking about for a while. And um, yeah, it'll just be interesting to like revisit this. Um, Man, you know, I could talk about this movie. I know <laughs> I could talk about it pod. for like another hour. Right, yeah. right. But yeah, we want to get to a um, couple other <laughs> subjects. Yeah. Um, what, what's your final rating? Let me ask uh, for. Oh, for sure. Uh, I hadn't really thought of that actually. Um, I'm gonna give it a strong eight point five. Eight point five. Like, yeah. yeah. I. Yeah, I'm still teetering back. It's in the eights for me. I mean, there were parts that, like, you know, kind of fall apart and weren't, like, you know, totally uh, as good as others in a way, just from, you know, like, it wasn't, like, a flawless movie or anything. But, um, sure. yeah, I would say, yeah, 8.3. Some, I okay. mean, very different movie than It in a lot of ways. <laughs> yeah. And, like, I'm, we're judging these on, like, different, you know, standards of what they were trying to, attempting to achieve. And, right. yeah, I would give it some, like, I don't know. Like, I had, like, 8.3 now. Okay. But, um, you know, mm-hmm. that can grow. And, I don't know, we, we should talk about this, uh, you know, we yeah. do our end of the year lists in December or something. For you know, sure. we'll, we'll revisit Mother. But um, definitely yeah, wanted I- to talk about it. I highly recommend this movie for people. Uh, Some people will definitely hate it, you know, (laughs) just know that going in. But I think some people will love it. Uh, It's worth discussing. It's it's worth seeing with your your partner, uh, you know, to share. (laughs) I will will not be taking my partner or my girlfriend, Becky, to see this. (laughs) Yeah, well, maybe a good idea. (laughs) Um, (laughs) um, But it's you know, it's a movie you want to see with somebody that you feel close with and you can discuss it with afterwards. Um, But yeah. That that's that's Mother Darren Aronofsky's latest film. Um, why don't we move on to some HBO shows yeah, real yeah. quick? Let's do it. Um, we wanted to talk about two new HBO programs. Um, firstly, The Deuce, which is a new series written and created by George Pelicanos and David Simon. David Simon, very recognizable name in the TV world, uh, creator of The Wire, which is you know <laughs> no and yeah, uh, just very acclaimed. <laughs> It's considered by many the great, you know, one of the greatest television shows ever made. I love it. Um, George Pelicanos is this crime author, novelist, uh, very popular in that world. Um, so this, the pilot episode aired, uh, I think it was put up on HBO like a month ago. It, yeah. it was put up a little bit early. Um <clears throat> So I've only watched the pilot. Have you? Have I've you seen the, been able to yeah, catch the I've pilot? Yeah, I've seen the pilot as well. The okay. ninety minutes, which is always, I think, a little too long for any pilot. I, I saw someone sure. like say, a good, "It's like having a ninety-minute or two-hour like pilot is like ordering like lobster as a on a first date or something, you know?" Or it's like kind of yeah. like, "Well, it's let's like lobster, and I'll have the lobster bisque <laughs> right. for an appetizer." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's um, but yeah, I I did enjoy it. I think. That first episode, it felt very wiry to me in yeah. that, like, it's just really laying the groundwork of a lot of characters. It's mm-hmm. not, it's slow, not much happens. But, I mean, given that it's David Simon, like, you want to give it time. And I think, like, the yeah. pilot of The Wire is kind of the same, where it's not really that great of a of an episode. But, you know, what's to come? You kind of just, like, put your faith in him, and yeah. he knows what he's doing. And it's a really cool, like, authentic portrayal of 1970s New York City, yeah. Times Square, like when that area was extremely different than it is now. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah. Well, yeah, I should mention it was ni- 1971, New York City. Um, and so you mentioned, you say it's a little bit slow. I think that's just the way David Simon 
and I guess Pelicanos right. Yeah. You know, it's 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 these stories, these little intricacies of people's lives and of of usually some drug related things and how they how uh, that is uh, you know intertwined with with society and everything that's going on around you. Um, and just a lot of like political mentions, you know, uh, David Simon brings a lot of political background and, and elements to the writing. Um, I, I thought, so it stars James Franco, uh, is probably the, the lead actor. And then a few other recognizable faces. Uh, Maggie Gyllenhaal is, is maybe the lead, uh, lead actress. Um, but, Really well acted, uh, really interesting writing for me. Uh, James Franco actually plays two parts. He plays the main character and also his brother. Mm-hmm. Uh, they only had one scene together in the pilot, but I think he's doing a really good job. Um, yeah, what what are some other takeaways from the show? For, I mean, are you gonna are you gonna watch the the whole series? I I definitely am. I, yeah. I was I was really struck by the world building, and I was I was just. Like I couldn't take my eyes off the screen. I was I was engrossed, and uh, I thought it was really well done. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll yeah. I'll probably continue watching. Just one of those things where you got to find the time, like the hour long shows. Right, you got to right. choose them wisely. And um, sure. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll I'll I'm pretty confident I'll end up watching. I mean, it's getting yeah really great reviews from TV critics that have seen more than the first you know few episodes or you know they've seen like the first like four or five and yeah um yeah no it's just like kind of one of those like in david simon we trust the wire is one of my favorite things ever as pretty (laughs) much everyone oh wow what an original opinion um you know like everyone that's seen the wire is kind of like it's their duty to be like it's the best thing ever um but it is so yeah (laughs) yeah right you should check out the wire uh hint um michelle mclaren directed the first or directed the pilot uh she's really well-known uh television director right now one of the biggest you know she gets she's directed episodes of breaking bad game of thrones the walking dead the leftovers westworld uh many others Uh, she's just really really renowned uh television director right now so i thought she did an amazing job just creating this this world like putting yourself in 1971 new york uh, it's kind of hard now <laughs> they mentioned on the inside the episode after the first one um like they had to film times square in some other neighborhood like to create the look of old times square because obviously like times square now is <laughs> nothing like it was in 1971 so uh just the production design and and everything is is really cool in this show yes. So uh, do you want to talk about Room 104 a little yeah. bit? Yeah. I know you've been digging. Yeah, definitely. So another HBO program. Uh, this one's been on a little bit longer. I think it started in late July. Um, but this is a 30-minute, uh, week-by-week sort of uh, mystery, I would say. Uh, it's it's an not anthology, really... right? Yeah. Every episode it's... is different. Yes. Or like yes. A, as a new story, basically. Yeah. So like Twilight Zone or uh, Black Mirror more recently. It, yeah. So the concept, I really just want to mention the concept behind this show. Um, It's this average American hotel room. It's room 104 at this like super nondescript. (laughs) Yeah, it's like a motel on the side of an interstate sort of room. You know, it's like two queen size beds, a bathroom, a round table and a television. And every single episode is it has to be all shot in that room. You can't ever leave the room. You get like shots of the the door to the the exit door, but we never leave the room itself. Um, and the concept is uh, the show is created and executive produced by the Duplass brothers, uh, Mark and Jay Duplass. And basically, they wanted to have this show where they could allow young directors and actors to shine, and and really they just you know, give them the keys to the car and say, make a 30 minute episode that takes place all in this room and do whatever you want. Like there are no restrictions, no guidelines, no, uh, you know, no, uh, ideas of where it has to go or what genre it has to be. You know, there are elements of mystery, horrors, you know, thrillers, uh, comedy, um, there have been, I think eight episodes so far. I think I've watched five of them, but really they're all vastly different. And I just think it's a cool concept to allow, you know, young directors and actors to have a chance to it's like a sandbox experiment you know, and like, yeah, just, yeah, just do something fun and something that's like 
you know, not you're not going to see very often. So it's definitely a cool show to check out. Yeah, um, yeah. I know you watched one of them. Yeah, I saw the first episode, which was uh, was definitely intriguing uh-huh. about this boy. Yeah, babysitter watching this boy who has like Ralphie. seemingly split yeah. personalities, and it definitely ended with like a cliffhanger and open ended. And I know it doesn't, it's not resolved because like they don't revisit that. Right. Um. But yeah, it was it was solid. I mean, it, it's yeah, it hasn't really gotten you know tons of press. Like it's on HBO, but it's you know not one of their like. 10 pole shows that they're really pushing um right. but yeah I, I like that idea of like them just creating this like very mundane world and then just like handing it over to like directors they really admire and be like let me yeah. see what you can do within the confines of just this i think there's something to be said for a show that it's 30 minutes and you're done you know you're done with that world <laughs> yeah you it's know? like a 30 it, minutes movie like, or something yeah you, know? you don't have to dive back into that or it doesn't answer everything or you know there's not a lot of character development you're just sort of thrown into a situation it's 30 minutes you have a glass of wine and that's it you know it's like it, <laughs> yeah, yeah that's uh it i don't know i just i like the concept and i'm really into the idea of just uh you know watching something for 30 minutes and then it's over mm-hmm. I, I just think it's cool so we wanted to also just quickly touch on uh a show that is coming back for what it's like eighth season after a bit of ninth after a hiatus and that is uh larry david's curb your enthusiasm yeah um we're (laughs) both psyched out of our minds for this um huge seinfeld larry david curb that whole universe huge fans and um i think we'll definitely be discussing this on the next episode yeah um i've been going back and watching some older older episodes of curb and you know when it's good that show is freaking great like yes. it's up there with like the best seinfeld episodes when it's like at a certain level so uh-huh. maybe we'll do some kind of like top five of some kind of seinfeld curb sure. infusion but yeah. we will be talking curb next episode okay. yeah this comes back uh sunday october 1st to hbo season nine season eight aired in 2011 so a solid six-year hiatus yeah um larry david was asked by i think it was kimmel um you know why why did you take six years off and he, he was like classic larry david fashion he goes I don't think that's any of your business, really. (laughs) (laughs) Like personal reasons, right? Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, But that's that's Larry David for you. Um, Really excited for this one. This this show's been airing since 2000, which is crazy. Like season one aired in 2000, so long ago. I know. Um, But yeah, it's back. Excited for that one for sure. Why don't we jump into this music quickly? Yeah, we're gonna um, recommend two albums. Yeah, um, yeah, just kind of some quick hits. Um, the first one is this album. Uh, the artist is Rostam. Mm-hmm. Um, his last name I'm gonna botch, so I'm just gonna go. He goes by Rostam. So this is uh, <laughs> yeah, an album called Manjali Half, or something, right? <laughs> Half Light. It's the debut album from him. He actually used to be in Vampire Weekend. He was. Yeah kind of one of their main songwriters, guitarists, keyboardists, producers, a really big part of that sound. Vocalist, he, right? Yeah, he would do a lot of harmonies and background uh-huh. um, background vocals for Vampire Weekend. And uh, yeah, he left the group about like, I want to say like one to two years ago to kind of mm-hmm. just focus on his own thing. And um, this album Half Light came out, um, I believe about two weeks ago. And um, really wanted to check it out because I'm just a fan of his songwriting and his kind of ear for production. And yeah. A few things that like stand out to me about this album is it's and it's very it's kind of like the genre you know it's kind of like a indie rock type but it has like um, I don't know just like kind of these um, aspects of originality mm-hmm. and it just is a bit like you know off the track of like your typical like indie rock album and I yeah, think like the sure. opening song. <laughs> opening track summer with one m is very <laughs> yeah. like chris it sounds like christmas music with like the sample in the way oh, and, like, yeah there are several songs that reminded me of like just yeah christmas music like huh. the song uh thatch snow with thatch like the snow, strings yeah. in the beginning uh-huh. it sounds like some santa's reindeer like giddy up and nice. go join or something <laughs> and i was like this is cool that's fun. um but yeah i think it's uh it's about like 13 14 tracks not every 15. track is is a yeah <laughs> is, is a uh is a hit for me but um yeah i like the song bike dream a lot i really like the way he layers uh he just has a really i, I know i say this a lot but a lot of the albums i do recommend it's because like i really love the production of them but he yeah. just like layers 
guitar and vocals and drums in a really mm-hmm. cool and interesting way. Spends a ton of time on it, tinkering with it, and mm-hmm. it just kind of creates this cool like sonic uh, experience. There's a track called uh, Wood, which is very like Bollywood influenced, hence yeah. the name. Yeah, um, it is sitar. Vocals, I think there's some sitar in there. Yeah, yeah. His vocals are just um, they're kind of like very like sleepy and feel like yeah. distant from the microphone. Like dream, like, yeah, like dreamscapes. Right, and you can't really understand some of the lyrics at times, but it mm-hmm. still feels like intimate and like mm-hmm. it's distant but close somehow. I don't know. Yeah. It's interesting how that's well put. Those. Yeah. Um, but yeah, what do you what do you think of this album? I like it a lot. Um, there some songs really stick with you. Uh, like you mentioned, some songs. Uh, you know, they kind of blend together at times in this album. Like you're yeah. not sure if one song ended and another began, but um, I thought the the title track Half Light really stuck with me. And I was, I was just sort of like spitting out the, the hook just randomly. Like it, <laughs> it really like, I don't know why I just said that it just came out, you know, one of those types of deals. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and don't let it get to you. And mm-hmm there's there's two versions of that song on the album and i i noticed the the last song or the second version the reprise uh, was co-produced by paul simon mm. uh i noticed on the wikipedia but um yeah so i i really like it it's it's like you i mean you pretty much nailed it but um it sounds a lot like vampire weekend it's hard yeah, to avoid right, that right, right. you know you're gonna it's gonna sound a little bit familiar in that way but um i thought it's very well produced, like you said, very layered and, and complex production at times. And um, yeah, it's it's definitely an album worth checking out. And uh, especially if you like Vampire Weekend and sort of this like funk, funk, psychedelic. I, I don't know. I don't really know how to describe it. It's hard to it's pop, but it's not, you know, it's not pop that you're going to hear on the radio per se. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I really recommend yeah, hold you. Own. Yeah, oh, sorry. Yeah. Hold you is a really good song. Um, yeah, there's there's a bunch of good songs. I one thing I last thing I wanted to mention about it. Um, I noticed that some of the songs actually came out like as singles. Uh, a couple of them, like Wood, came out in 2011, uh, and and like 2013 for a few of them. So this has obviously been something that Rostam has been working on um, in his spare time between you know like his other work with Vampire Weekend and and other. Uh, co-produced things um yeah i just thought that was interesting that he's finally like put together this solo work and was able to create this album yeah for sure for sure and i would definitely recommend some of these other side projects that he's done throughout his career not just the vampire weekend but he has this album this pop electro album called discovery which i think yeah came out several years ago i want to say like in 2011 something like that um which is a really really fun listen um just like really catchy electronic pop music Mm -hmm. but kind of through his lens and it's it's just i don't know it's it's really awesome cool um also this collaboration he did with uh this guy hamilton yeah uh, who's I, i don't his last name probably is. It, it <laughs> reads as Lethauser. Yeah. Um, so he was the front man of this uh, indie rock group called The Walkman um, last uh-huh. decade. And they put out an album last year called um, I Had a Dream That You Were Mine. Yeah. Which is really awesome. One of my favorites of last year. And then um, Vampire Weekend, they're actually finishing up their new album now. And it's it'll be curious to see how that sounds with his absence because he's kind of a key oh. ingredient of their sound. Yeah, interesting. And like the songwriting and production. So, yeah. um, you know, they've been a really consistent band and uh, yeah, yeah, this is their first one without him. So it'd be interesting to see how it sounds. That'll be very interesting. Yeah, because this album, you can really tell the the influence and impact that he has on that band just listening to his solo work. Uh, I, thought, I thought it was a little sad because I thought um, Modern Vampires of the City uh, Vampire Weekend's most recent album, which came out in 2013, I thought that was their best album. Oh yeah, so I, it's a, a little sad I was that they've, they've to that a lot lately. Yeah, it's a little sad they've broken up. Right, right, for sure. Um, but yeah, let's get into uh, this ra- uh, rap album yeah. by Action Bronson that yes. I know you're you're digging. Blue Chip Seven Thousand. Yes, great that, name. Whatever the hell that great means. name. <laughs> Two punts from the inhaler got me feeling like Morris Taylor. Two kisses on the cheek for my tailor. I got the soul of an Amazon healer. Better be sure to put the cameras on. Yeah, so this is the third studio album from Action Bronson. Um, he's he's sort of known as a he had a, a few mixtapes that were really well received um, in the beginning of his career, but this is the third studio album. 
It's called Blue Chip 7000. Uh, his last one was Mr. Wonderful, which came out in 2015. Um, Action Bronson is this really, if you're not familiar with him, he's this uh, white guy from uh, like Flushing and, and Queens, New York. Um, and he's he's overweight, putting it kindly. Uh, he's bald <laughs> and he has food. this... Yeah, he's this big foodie. Uh, he has he's bald and he has this big red beard. He's sort of like this Santa Claus like figure, very yeah, like yeah. fun and uh, you know approachable, I guess. Uh, he's he's very familiar with. Uh, he likes to smoke weed. Uh, he likes to <laughs> tell you that he smokes weed and right, yeah. and show you on on social media and stuff. Um, he's the host of two television shows on the Viceland channel. Um, yeah. He has this food travel show called that's delicious yeah uh, and he name. just yeah he just uh released a cookbook under the same name um and he also has this comedy uh documentary show called traveling the stars action bronson and friends watch ancient aliens and basically i i've seen a couple episodes of this they basically smoke weed and then watch uh, ancient aliens and they have like uh, this green screen behind them of showing the show and they're just on a couch and they just talk about the show it's i mean it's it's uh you know it sounds like it is it's kind of silly but getting back to this album real quick um his personality is kind of bigger than his music yeah right? it's kind of like that, he's kind of like an entrepreneur and like does a lot of right. different things and rap is kind of one of those pieces right i just wanted to establish that this guy yeah, yeah. like does a lot and he is also this rapper and uh anyway um his album what do you what are your initial takeaways from it I, i'm interested to hear what you so, think so yeah him as a rapper you know his tone it's very high pitched and it kind of reminds me of ghostface killer in a lot of yeah. ways from wu-tang uh-huh. and um i haven't given this out like i like every song a full listen but there were a couple standouts for me um one being the uh 924 7000 featuring oh, rick ross with rick ross yeah. yeah the beat is really cool there's like these bells that are used i don't know it's just uh-huh. like a really um interesting beat uh rick ross you know when he's good he's he's really good and i, I like his verse a lot in that but um let me breathe is a yeah. uh, a certified banger i would say as well yeah. kind of has like more of one like of the singles yeah straightforward like party rap beat but it's right. it's dope and then um I like the uh, the intro to the song La Luna, where he's just like, yeah. yo, what's that beat right there? Yo, that's funky. He's like yeah. stuffing his face with like, chi- like I don't know. You can well, tell he's just like eating and like, it's a natural reaction. <laughs> he um, calls it, like, it's like a, a setup sort of, he calls like this uh, this car service and it, he gets the the hold operator like beat and he's like, oh, what's that beat? You know, and he starts, he starts rapping <laughs> on it. Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. kind of funny. Um, the chairman's intent, which is a single off the album, mm-hmm. I think is a, a certified summer, late summer banger. Uh, fall, awesome, awesome song. Banger. Yeah. It's like two and a half minutes long. There's really no chorus or hook. It just goes and like, I don't know. I just, I like his, his persona. Like it's, it's sort of persona rap in, in a way. Like you just, you feel him. Uh, and another song, the choreographer, did you mm-hmm. did you get a chance to listen to that one? Uh, uh, I don't know if I've heard that one. Okay, that's a really cool beat. Um, maybe we'll play a clip of that. All I do is bump true hell. Damn, I should have took the blue pill. It's too real. I signed for two for 22 mil. Option for the third. You ain't popping on the curb. We never see you in the street. And me, I'm always on the town. You hear me? I'm the man right now. I got the plan right now. So I just, I think he's... A really solid rapper and like I listened to this album again last night I've been I've been listening to a few songs a bunch like sort of on repeat but I listened to the entire thing again it it flows together nicely there's a nice variety to it you know it's not gonna like be go down in in history as a great <laughs> rap album but it's it's fun it's it's better than I think most rap coming out these days I, I don't maybe I'm being an old curmudgeon rap fan, but I, I think it's got a lot of cool elements. It, it feels old school. Yeah, it's just like very, he's a very jolly yeah. human. And uh, yeah, I, his, I'm, I'm a fan of his persona. And, one of his yeah, nicknames is Mr. Baklava. <laughs> so I like that. That's funny. So let's end things um, with just a hit on this trailer for The Disaster Artist. That yeah. We'll definitely be talking about this movie when it comes out in December. But um, So this is the story of real-life director Tommy Wiseau as he embarks to make his 
masterpiece of a movie, uh, The Room, which the has room. basically become this cult classic yes. of bad. It's it's based off the movie is going to be based off this book called The Greatest Bad Movie Ever Made. Yeah. And I've always said like the best way to describe this is like. It's the Citizen Kane of bad movies. Like yeah. every single element that makes up a movie, it's like the worst you've ever seen. It's right. the worst acting you've ever seen. It's the worst <laughs> writing you've ever seen. It's the worst set design you've ever seen. The worst cinematography. It's yeah. the worst score. Even <laughs> our friends had in college had the DVD cover for this movie. And it, it was the worst DVD cover yeah, I've ever seen. It's like bad. It, it, I, you open it up in like the scene title sequencing, like the names of the scenes. Like that's the worst I've ever seen right. of like D, of DVD. You know, it's just, it's like it's impossible this, to create something. So right. Bad. No, it's yeah. Right. And like, there's these theories of like, was it intentional? You know, yeah. like, but it's, I mean, I, this movie is just going to really dive into, um, him, why he wanted to make this movie. It's play, you know, James Franco, um, plays Tommy Wiseau. And he directed brother, the film. Dave Franco. Right, directed it. Seth Rogen is involved as well. In the trailer, I mean, he nails the accent. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it's kind of hard to gate. One thing I thought was interesting in the trailer, like, will it try to be, like, sentiment? Is this going to be, like, a pure comedy? Or is this going to be, like, make him out to be kind of this sympathetic figure who's misunderstood? Yeah. I mean, I, I was wondering I the think same thing. I'm sure it'll be mainly comedy, like, given just the people involved and, like, what, you know, the room is. But, right. um... Yeah, if you've never seen the movie too, you watch the trailer, you'd be like, "What? What the hell is this? Like, is yeah. this, this can't be real." But it's, <laughs> it's it's real. I know. I was gonna say. I think if you should watch the room um, before seeing this movie. Yeah, definitely. Um, it, I don't think it's gonna make a ton of money because like some people are gonna see this trailer, and be like, "What the hell is that?" And if you're not familiar with the room, like I don't really know why yeah, you would go see it. Um, mm-hmm. but it's definitely worth checking out the room and it's, it's a good laugh. I mean, no going in that it's horrible and like, you're not gonna, you're not gonna take away any like, you know, wow, look at the cinematography there. It, it's like, it's just a classically terrible film and it's, it's a comedy. Like you couldn't, you couldn't make something so bad if you intended to make something bad. Oh, you know, absolutely it's, not. No, no, no. like it, it's just really funny, but, um, yeah, this movie for us, for my group of friends and uh, in college, I know we watched it a few times and had a good laugh. Uh, it, it was really like sort of a cult classic growing totally. up for, for us. Uh, it came out in 2003, The Room did. Um, actually, Nick, Eric, uh, yeah, Alex, I was gonna say, and some Travis. Some of our friends have met, have met Tommy Yeah, Wusso. they met uh, Tommy Wusso and the co-star who's played by Dave Franco, uh, Greg Sestero. Um, yeah. he's played by Dave Franco in the, in the disaster artist. Uh, they met him at a, a screening of the room at the E street cinema in DC in 2012. And they had this picture of, of him, <laughs> yeah, yeah, of all of them together. And like Eric's holding Tommy Wiseau's hand. I just wanted to <laughs> shout out that, that we have, yeah, yeah. it's very, uh, a little a bit of a personal story to this. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I'm looking forward to it. We'll I think be, it's going to uh, be really funny. It. Yeah, we'll talk about it after we watch it. But It's out uh, December 1st, so yeah. watch the trailer if you haven't, and watch The Room before this, because it's yeah. going to be a rollicking good time. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So um, let's wrap things up. Uh, that's th- it for this episode of Must Go Faster. Um, thanks so much, as always, for everyone for listening. And if yeah. you like what you heard, reminder as always to please you know, share it, rate and review us on iTunes, spread the word any way you can. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook at Must Go Faster Pod. And uh, yeah, we'll see you next time. Must Go Faster Pod.com. Uh, share with your friends and family. Really appreciate you listening. Uh, talk to you next time. Peace.